Good evening, everybody. My name is Abby, and welcome to Meet My Monsters! Okay, hello there, everybody, and happy Good Friday to any Christian listeners I may have. Um, happy Pesach to any Jewish listeners out there, and happy being alive time to any <laughs> non-believers or any kind of secular religion. Hey guys, me over here from Post. I realize I just said any non-believers of a secular religion, which just makes me sound like a wally because secular means non-spiritual and non-religious. So what I meant is any non-religious people out there. Nonetheless, guys, it is Easter time. Um, one of those happy times with Easter eggs and weight gain and all of those good things. And we definitely need that, especially here in South Africa after last night. So um, we were informed by our president in the State of the Nation address again that our lockdown is going to be extended once more. So South Africa is going to, we were supposed to end our lockdown next week. Thursday, I think. I think on the 16th. Um, but nonetheless, last night, Cyril Ramaphosa made an address just stating that that lockdown is going to be continued for a further two weeks. And now I totally get it. I understand why we're doing it. And I am really happy in a sense that we are carrying it forward because our country does need all that kind of stuff, that good stuff. Um, but my heart does weep in other circumstances like a lot of people are going to be suffering financially because you can't work from home. Not everybody can work from home and all that, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, in light of all of the Debbie Downer kind of news going on around the world. Um, oh, on a side note, this is also the first Easter that I won't be spending with my family in a long time. So it's going to be quite weird for me this weekend having like a little Skype family lunch. <laughs> Or a Zoom family lunch around the dinner table with all of us eating our dinners in our respective homes. But yeah, I think right now we just need to practice gratitude as the attitude. You know what I'm saying? Like, thank you that we've still got the ability to have lunch on Easter instead of being hungry. But nonetheless, yes. So I thought, okay, since it is Easter time and all that good stuff is coming around the corner... The best little cryptid to do today would be none other than the Easter Bunny himself. So, okay, before you all go jumping down my throat, I'm fully aware that the Easter Bunny is not thought of as a cryptid. <laughs> before everybody thinks I'm nuts and still believe in the Easter Bunny. But, no, I'm fully aware that he's not a cryptid. He might not even be a he. He could be a she. Who knows? I don't. But I just thought it would be a cool little um, trip to go on to see where an Easter bunny comes from. Because if you think about it, like, rabbits don't have much to do with Christianity. Or do they? Bum, bum, bum! So I'm super, super excited for this episode, as you can hear. So um, let's not waste any more time and get straight to it, shall we? Here comes Peter Cottontail. Hopping down the bunny trail. Hippity hoppity, Easter's on its way. 
I'm sure everybody's very familiar with that song. It's been in my head for the past like two days, I'm sure. But yeah, nonetheless, that's little Peter Cottontail. So four centuries, millennia even, the Easter Bunny has been visiting children, bestowing gifts of brightly colored eggs on Easter morning. But where did this phenomena come from? An egg-bearing rabbit with no association to religious aspects of the holiday seems like quite a concoction of stories, if you ask me. So, where did this blessed bunny come from? What are the roots of the Easter rabbit story? How and why in the hell is a rabbit connected to eggs? And what does it have to do with the most religious day in the Christian calendar? Let's find out. So yes, for anybody who doesn't know, Easter period is one of, if not the most, religious holidays in Christianity. So it's quite strange that we've got such a, such a, a little oddball as like its mascot, a bunny. But nonetheless, we're going to take a look at um, three different variations of where the Easter bunny, rabbit hair, whatever comes from. And the first one we're going to be looking at is none other than the Christian situation. Okay, so I was today years old. It's that time already. I was today years old. Yay! Um, when I found out that none other than the Virgin Mary herself is quite closely connected to rabbits and hares. Now, guys, when I say that this comes as a shock to me, I am not talking lightly. My dad is a priest, okay? So he's a preacher man, so I was raised in the church, and not once ever did I know that the Virgin Mary was connected to rabbits. Like, when I read that, I was like, what? <laughs> what church have I been going to? But yeah, apparently in England, there's a couple of um, churches even with rabbit statues everywhere and um, three hairs being connected by the ear or something like that. But I was like, what the hell? Dude, are we in the same like religion? <laughs> are you in like some bunny religion? I don't know. But I was just like, that's quite cool. But nonetheless, I digress. So um, the most iconic work of art created around this was made by Renaissance painter Titan in 1530, entitled The Madonna of the Rabbit. You can now find it. <laughs> you can now find uh, Yes, that's really hard for me to say today. You can now find this. There we go. Hanging out casually at the Louvre, if you care to locate it for yourself. So if you don't believe me and you think I'm a dirty, rotten liar, go to the Louvre if you've I mean, no one can go anywhere right now. But when you can, go to that iconic museum and go go check out the Madonna of the Rabbit. So this painting, basically, when I was taking a look at it, it's a picture of Mary um, and baby Jesus. And in one hand, Mary is holding a little white rabbit. Um, so now, if if you're wondering how something like a randy rabbit can be um, associated to the virgin mother we're gonna get into that now because initially i was also like that's that's a weird kind of correlation to make between the two but i digress so the hair symbolizes mary in two parts firstly the white color of its fur symbolized her virtue and the fact that she was a virgin secondly the animal is known for its randy nature and that part of it expressed the symbol of Mary's fertility 
hence the miraculous birth of Jesus. You know, the immaculate conception. Um, so yeah, those are the two parts in which the rabbit represents Mary. Uh, Mary's relationship with the hare has existed in art for centuries. As such, conclusions have been drawn between this and the birth of the Easter Bunny. So, um, I also read that it's common for the Easter Bunny to be depicted as a rabbit, a bunny, the Easter Bunny, because of Easter being a time of rebirth. You know, Jesus died and then he was reborn on the cross. Um, and the hare, because of its, you know, its nature, its randiest nature, <laughs> is a good sign of life in springtime. So I was also today years old, everybody, when I found out that a rabbit and a hare, because they're two different things in case you didn't know. That's not what I found out today, though. But I found out that a bunny only gestates the babies for 30 days, so a month. And then when the, the bunny mom gives birth to the babies, this is another I was today years old. Guys, there's so many in the Easter rabbit story. But anyways, um... When the mom bunny gives birth to the baby bunnies, they're not called baby bunnies. They're called kits, which is short for kittens. So you can have kittens and not have a cat. How cool is that? I just thought that was flippin' red. So yeah, in many, many cultures, a rabbit is always associated as the animal of fertility because of this. Also, I was today years old, when I found out that a mom rabbit can be pregnant and then conceive a new like litter while she's pregnant with the old one which is i know humans can do that but it's very 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 rare for us to do that so when i found that out i was like well yeah i can't think of a better damn animal than a rabbit for fertility because <laughs> shame the mom bunny is basically pregnant for a month gives birth to 12 more little bunnies can get pregnant in their time again and then you know bish bash bosh there's 12 more bunnies halfway through the month. Who knows? But yeah, so because of that, um, rabbits are associated with fertility and rebirth. And Easter is a time of rebirth because of Jesus rising. And hence, you know, put one and one together. Then you get the rabbit symbolizes rebirth. Jesus is rebirth. There you go. That's how the rabbit is associated according to the Christian faith. And, you know, Mary's, like, whole immaculate conception and her correlation with the hair. <laughs> so, now that we know the Christian's thoughts on the Easter Bunny, where does the egg fit in? So, yeah, like I was saying, it's all good and well to have a rabbit, but, you know, where's the egg? Where does, which came first, the rabbit or the egg? <laughs> Expect a lot of excellent jokes like that in this podcast, guys. Just bear with me. So, the the egg story actually plays into my wheelhouse like a damn charm, let me just tell you. So, let me take you back to the medieval age. If you've been listening to this party from the get-go, A, thank you, and you are a flippin' legend, and B, you would have heard my uh, me express my love for this age in the Questing Beast episode. That was the very first episode I've ever done. So, don't ask me why, I don't know... But there's just something in my heart that beats for the medieval time. I just, I really like that era, I guess. No other reason. Back in the medieval age, eggs were a staple food source for many. However, when Lent came around, 
the people would stay away from eating these delicacies. They were given up as part of Lent. Uh, <laughs> sorry, they were given up as part of the Lenten sacrifice. So also once again, okay, if you're not a Christian person, we've got this thing called the time of Lent, where you either sacrifice something, so you give up like sugar or chocolates or whatever, for the period of Lent, um, or you can take on something like you can say I'm going to pray more every day, or I'm going to journal every day, or just something like that. So back in the medieval time. Eggs were given up during Lent. That was a common thing. Then, when Easter Sunday came around, the eggs would be blessed by the village priests and consumed with great lust as part of the Easter feast. As such, it became common for embellished eggs to be swapped between family and friends on Easter. People would go to great lengths to dye and ornately decorate the little foodstuffs as best they could. So I don't know what they used to dye eggs with back in the day because <laughs> now obviously i mean you can boil an egg and you can dye it with food coloring thereafter but what was their food coloring back in medieval times i don't know and it's kind of bothering me to think about it especially in russia because they dyed their eggs red so i'm just like hmm what's the color red <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you don't, if you're not in the same thought process as me, blood, blood is red, everybody. But anyways, I digress. Once more. Um. So yeah, I was actually talking about Russia and my rents, and that's the next part of my my little script here. So in Russia, eggs were even bejeweled and encrusted lavishly with diamonds before being given as presents. These became known as Fabergé eggs. So those are quite a common. Not a common thing. I think there's only like 65 of them that were ever made. But that's, it's Fabergé eggs. I know about them. I mean, it's common like that in terms of like, oh, terms <laughs> being all posh. So the third imperial Easter egg was lost for a period. However, it was recently discovered and sold to a private anonymous collector. Best for this oak to be anonymous. And I'm going to tell you why now. Because... This egg is said to be valued at a whopping $33 million. And that's American dollars, folks, not Zimbabwean dollars, which would be like three cents. But $33 million for just a little egg. That's not, I don't know how big it is, but it's, you know, it's like a hand-sized thing, an ornament. <laughs> what the hell? It's nuts, I tell you. As the tradition of giving eggs deepened over time, the wealthy began to bestow embellished eggs upon poor children within their village. As such, the tradition of giving prettified eggs on Easter Sunday to children was born. And then it just spread on and on and on and forever. Okay, so that is, that's very much the Christian account in a nutshell. Another thing that I just want to add is, like I said, my dad was a preacher. And one of the things that he used to symbolize eggs and why they symbolize why they tie into christian beliefs and whatever is because the chocolate eggs that you get the hollow eggs are hollow on the inside and that represents guys i swear i don't drink so i don't even know where this slurring is coming from but my dad swears that the hollow egg represents the hollow tomb that jesus was found on found on found in not found in he wasn't found in the hollow tomb that's why it's hollow hello <laughs> so let's try that again 
The hollow Easter egg represents the empty tomb that Jesus was not found in on Easter Sunday. So that's where that little story comes from as per Errol. I don't know how reliable a source my father is, but it sounds like a pretty good story. So I'm going to stick with it. Okay, so like I said, that's the Christianity accounts of the origins of the Easter bunny and the Easter egg. All wrapped up with a neat little bow. So the next thing we're going to get into is the pagan situation. So as always, where a Christian holiday falls, a pagan tradition follows. Or where a pagan tradition falls, a Christian festival follows. (laughs) More likely, it's actually that order around. Pagan first, then Christianity. However, Easter is no different. There are a few pagan accounts held accountable for Easter. The first and most common is that of the celebration of spring. Now, guys, I'm not a pagan. I'm not going to pretend to know what this festival is called or even try to name it by what it's supposed to be called. But I do know that the pagans have a very particular spring festival, which they celebrate during this time. And um, the pagan ritual is said to coincide pleasantly with Easter, thus was adopted by the Christians to celebrate their most holy day. So yeah, it was, once again, spring symbolizes rebirth, and the Christians liked this, and, you know, jumped on the bandwagon, and there we go. (laughs) We've got Easter on the pagan spring festival. However, this does not explain the damn rabbit. So, is there a relation to Easter bunnies with the pagan tradition? Yes. Yes, there is, and a million times yes. And possibly, if you ask me, this is the best one yet. However, before I get into this, let me just say that this is a hotly debated topic as far as authenticity goes. So before you all jump down my throat and be like, ah, no, that's been disproved, woman, whatever. I don't care. I know that it is debated, you know. I'm not going to say disproved because it hasn't been disproved. But it's, it's I like it. So anyways. Spoiler out of the way, let's hop to it, shall we? (laughs) Okay, let me stop my weird Easter puns. Okay, in paganism, there is a goddess of fertility who goes by a few names. However, she is known as... However, she is known to many as either Ostara or Ustra. Sounds vaguely familiar, don't it? Ustra, Easter, you know. Are you picking up what I'm putting down on there? Now, there are a few accounts of Ustra's relation to a bird and a rabbit. However, the one I'm about to share is my favorite. Before I get into my favorite, let me just share the uh, most common one with between Ustra and the hare. Obviously, because Ustra is the goddess of fertility, her animal that she was linked up with was um, a hare. Because hares are fertile and they breed like, you know, crazy. Like we've gone through the 30-day situation. Anyways. Ustra was known for once finding an injured bird in the winter whose wings had frozen. And that just breaks my heart, guys. Like I can just picture a poor little innocent bird whose wings have frozen because it's cold. Now, in compassion for the bird, she transformed it into a rabbit to give it a thick, warm coat to withstand the cold. Apparently, rabbits are also better at foraging than birds are, so Ustra thought, okay, I'm going to give it a warm jacket and I'm going to give it the ability to find food better than it can as a bird. 
However, when the springtime came around, the rabbit did what rabbits do best. But here's where the, the real kicker comes in. This rabbit got preggers and laid eggs. <laughs> so this was due to the fact that it is and was a bird originally. As such, the egg-bearing rabbit legend was born. Ostara, or Ustra, then took the brightly coloured eggs and gifted them to her children. And that's how Easter Bunny makes brightly coloured eggs, mommy gives them to babies, and there you go. So now I mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, this is a hotly debated topic amidst historians. Um, but there is one prominent figure that did lend his voice towards the topic. The venerable Bede, I don't know how to pronounce his name, it's B-E-D-E, Bede, Bede. I'm going to call him Bede. The venerable Bede wrote in his 8th century. Hello guys, me again. So I said Bede wrote in his 8th century. His 8th century what? <laughs> he didn't write his 8th century, he wrote in the 8th century. That the name Easter stems from the goddess Ustra, who gave her name to the Uster month. Uster month, Easter month. Bede, also known as Saint Bede, Venerable Bede, and Bede the Venerable, was an English Benedictine monk at the monastery of Saint Peter and its companion monastery of Saint Paul in the kingdom of Northumbria of the Angels. So this guy was pretty up there in Christianity since he was sainted and whatever. This, however, has often been argued and poo-pooed in the historical community in its own right. So I must tell you guys, as I was reading this, because I so desperately wanted to believe the story of Ustra and the little bird and the rabbit and everything, because I was like, man, that's a kicker. That's like a goodie. That's solid gold. And then when I found this account of the venerable Bede, from the 8th century, which is, guys, that's like, that's that's over a thousand years ago that he accounted this, that this rumor was circulating. But when I found that, I was just like, yeah, there's, you know, there's bones to this story. It's going to be true. And then I read this, that Bede is actually, scholars have claimed that Bede liked to twist the truth a little bit. And he wasn't known for always reporting all of the facts. So I was like, ah, for frack's sake, Betty. Come on, man. You're supposed to prove my story of Ustra. <sighs> but you, you know, you win some, you lose Easter. Oh, well. <laughs> okay, so the next one we're going to get into is the possible and plausible situation. So the tale of the Easter Bunny is like the tale of a real rabbit fluffy and lacking substance. However, one of the most notable and realistic tales of where the Easter Bunny came from stems back to ancient Germany. The oldest account of an egg-bearing rabbit stems from Germanic te texts. Sorry, I don't know why I can't say that word. Stems from Germanic texts written in the 17th century. So this is the first account ever of the Easter Bunny. Which is quite hectic because the 17th century is like way back when, guys. So Easter Bunny isn't a new new kid on the block. He's been around for a while. However, the Austin Hara was a hare known for delivering colorful eggs to children 
who were well behaved. So the Easter hare that's Ostenhara is the German Germanic for Eastern hare. Um, was kind of like, he was very much like that good old Saint Nick that we know on Christmas. Um, so he was known to keep a tally of all of the good kids versus the bad kids around Easter time. And basically, if kids misbehaved during the Easter period, they weren't getting any Easter eggs. So <laughs> best you behave because the Ostern horror is watching you. So when now, okay, it's all good and well to say that, yes, this comes from Germany because there's many good German tales that haven't made their way into Western civilization. So where did this bunny like hop on, <laughs> hop on to like Western thought? This can be attributed to the German settlers. Okay, not just any German settlers. The German settlers who made their way to Pennsylvania, America. So when these guys touched down in Pennsylvania, it wasn't long before tales of the Ustenhara spread amid, amidst the children of America. And thus, the Easter Bunny tradition was born. So much so that this Easter Bunny, at also was today years old when I found out that every year on Easter Sunday, the Christmas, the Christmas, <laughs> oh my word, my head is all over the show, not, okay, I'm not saying that Donald Trump is the Christmas father, but the President of America, whomever it may be at that given time, has an Easter egg hunt in the White House, like how nice is that, Oh, that really touched my old heart, but yes, so when kind of when the, the tradition of the Easter Bunny was settled in America, it just spread and grew and grew and grew. Um, obviously, it was in Europe for a long time. Okay, next I'm going to say with the Germans being so close there. I know Germany is a part of Europe. What I mean to say is it has been in the UK for a long time. Um, because, yeah, Germany is close to UK and... They spread traditions and they shared them and all of that kind of good stuff. I know that Germany is in Europe. <laughs> With the Germans being so close there. But yeah, then it took to America and then it kind of just like went. So with that being said, guys, I did not research when the crossover from real eggs to chocolate eggs came about. Because that wasn't my aim of the game here. My aim of the game was dedicated to finding out where this damn rabbit comes from. And I still didn't do that. <laughs> so let's get into what does Abby think the Easter Bunny is? Personally, I think it's an amalgamation of all of the above tales. My personal favorite is by far the pagan origin of Ustra and her saving the little bird. And this is perhaps my inner animal lover coming out. Because I'm an absolute sucker for animal heroes. So yeah, part of me really, really, really wants to believe that that's where the Easter Bunny came from. And she saved a little bird and gave it a nice warm coat. And then because it was still part bird, the bunny now lays eggs. I just think that's awesome. <laughs> so yes, in my head, it's an amalgamation of all of the following. Um, that's my favorite by far. But obviously with the the whole um, medieval tradition 
of um, giving eggs as a gift. That's where that could have taken off like quite hectically, especially giving gifts as eggs to children. And then the the German Osternhara um, tradition, obviously that's that's not a myth. I'm not saying that that's, that's a myth. Um, but yeah, so I think all of these stories lend their little part to where the Easter Bunny comes from. It bothers me when I don't know. Like I wish that there was one source you know one main first source of the easter bunny and why he was a rabbit but yeah not even the germans know where their story comes from so but nonetheless this was a short and sweet and to the point episode guys because it is easter weekend so i do plan on even though i'm in quarantine spending it with my beloved and my two little doggies so yeah excuse the shortness but i just thought that the easter bunny would be a cool one for this month um so yeah, let me know what your thoughts on the Easter Bunny are and get in touch with me on Instagram, which is meet underscore my underscore monsters. Send me a Twitter, which is meet monsters because I was too cool to include the my. Catch up with me on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash meet my monsters podcast. Um, you can go check out my website, which is meet my Um, Or you can drop me a Gmail and say, what's up? And my Gmail address is meetmymonsterspoddy, P-O-D-D-Y, at gmail.com. But yeah, guys, I look forward to the month of April and all of the cryptids it's going to bring us. Um, But yeah, I'll catch you guys next week and bye!